You're listening to the 9 a.m. Sunday School Class, led by Pastor Greg Voorhees at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, September 3rd, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social at svbcfamily. Good. Good, good. So let's, uh, let's, let's, let's come to the Lord in prayer and we'll dig into our questions where we left off last week. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, I just ask that you that you'd be honored in our time here. God, I ask that you continue as we look at these questions and dig into your word just a little more. God, that you just show us something that, that needs to be illuminated in our hearts. God, I just ask that you, again, just just mold us and shape us in the likeness of Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty, we left off at page 101, I think. No, wait a minute. No, that's not where we left off. Yes, that is where we left off. Question five, because we stopped just above question five. It says, for many people, a new start is hard to imagine. But the Psalm 103, but what does Psalm 103, 10 through 12 say about God's capacity to forgive and begin again? First of all, even before we open, open read Psalm 103, is there a, do you think it is hard for some people to imagine a new beginning? I, I, think, I think for a lot of people, it's hard to imagine a new beginning. You know, I've talked to a lot of people over the years about different things. When it comes to the Bible and, and God, and, and one of the things that one of the things that I've seen over and over and over is people not fully believing that God has the ability to take broken things and turn them into whole things. Their, their inability to believe that God would even even want to sometimes because they they felt that things that have happened have been or things that they have done have been so dark you know that it's that they were almost unredeemable. Well, I can assure you that nobody is unredeemable. When, when I read this Bible, it says the only. The only uh, the only person where final judgment's been passed on is the devil and his angels. You know the the you know so he's Satan is the only one who's not redeemable. <laughs> but I've also seen stories all throughout this Bible. We've been looking at some of them, especially look, look at Mary Magdalene, possessed by seven demons. You know, I imagine I imagine when she was in the middle of her her troubles. She probably felt unredeemable. Maybe she thought things were just just too far gone. But I can assure you that's certainly not the case. The, The creator of the universe, he could create anything that he wants, and he has the ability to fix everything. So let's read Psalm 103, 10 through 12. It says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve, repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. 
As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed their transgressions from us. So what does so what does this this little these three little verses? What does uh what what's it say about God's capacity to forgive? And for us to have a fresh start. I know I talk about I I mentioned this. That's a, that's that's a very good point. That's definitely something that's pointed out here. It doesn't matter how big the sin is, his love's bigger. That's true. Very good. Any any other any other thoughts? This is one of those scriptures that I, I throw out there a good bit. East east to west. Anybody remember what I've said about that, east to west? That it's, he, he takes those sins and he throws them so far apart that they never meet again. You know, that north and south thing, it meets east and west, it never meets. You can go east forever, you can go west forever. You might circle the earth many, many times, but you never stop. You don't, at no point are you going east, do you ever start going west? <laughs> You know, that's the, uh, that's, but that's not true north and south. Once you cross that north pole, whoop, you're going south. You cross that south pole, whoop, you're going north. So God's ability, he has the ability to scatter our sins as far from the east as the west so that they never, ever meet. How about even, this? it doesn't really get into it too much in this question, but what about the very first part of it? He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. How cool is that? You realize that for believers or followers of Christ, you never, and again, we've been talking about this in Romans, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. What's that mean? He doesn't, he doesn't treat us in a way that we deserve. So I'll tell you what, you know, that this principle we've talked about a good bit. If you've offended one part of the law, you've offended the whole thing. So basically what that means is because every time we've broken the law, we've broken the whole thing. That our, our sin is probably would have been stacked pretty darn high, you know, if it weren't for Christ. And, and, and for every time that we ever broke the law and, and, their, and their sin was stacked up like firewood, you know, all the way up almost to the sky... How, how should a holy God, I'm not, not how does he, how should a holy God treat us? In, in, you know, because we're into this, you get what you deserve kind of thing. You, you know, we're, that's, that's a people thing. You, you, you know, you, get, you give what you get. Considering how high our sin debt would be, how would you think that a holy God would treat us? I would Yes, with justice. They're just desserts. That, that's, that's, the really, that's the really wild thing about hell. And I should, more specifically, the lake of fire. Because actually there are two, two different things. If you, look at, if you look at hell as that place of separation from God, and you look at Revelation, hell is thrown into the lake of fire. The... the, the uh, this lake of fire thing, that's if God treated us the way we deserve, we should probably be roasting just, just like the devil. The, uh, but he doesn't. That is what's so cool 
about the love of Christ. It was so cool about the love of the Father that, that we don't get what we deserve. We get what he, that grace that he so willingly extends us. That's really mind-blowing. You, you, you know, you, you know you, you've come up and bopped me in the nose. I want to bop you back. God's not like that. He, you know, he's, he's, and that's that thing with grace. If you bopped me in the nose and I bopped you back, that would, be, that would be justice. That would be you getting what you deserved. But God's not like that. In, in fact, it's the crazy things. People see him as being this hard, scary guy up in, so far up in the sky someplace. But not only did he not bop us back on the nose, he watched as we nailed his son to a cross. Yes. Start it all over. <coughs> you, you know, and that's that's very that's very true. And I've often said, and I, and I believe, and I and I mean it. I wouldn't give my child up for somebody I liked. I wouldn't give my child up for somebody that, that I, that he, you know, my child's my child, you know, that's, that, that, that's, but he gave up his child to, to us while we were yet enemies of the cross. That, 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 that's, that is like mind-blowing. So Psalm 103, 10 through 12, it, it, it shows that God has an infinite ability, a never-ending ability to forgive and, and to, to treat us in a way that we don't deserve. That's just who he is. Number six says this, which, which of our four main characters do you relate with most regarding your own transformation? Of course, without Mary Magdalene, Nicodemus, Matthew, or Simon. Mary, who's Mary's blah, Mary, whose life changed. Mary, whose life changed in an instant. <laughs> Nicodemus, who remained resistant and skeptical, perhaps even unwilling to undergo the changes that would come from following Jesus, being unwilling to undergo the changes. Sorry, Matthew, uh, who was earnest and open, though perhaps a little slower to make the leap, or Simon who was all in early on, but who continued to struggle as he grew in faith. Which one of these folks do you, which one of these folks do you most relate to? Again, again, these descriptions real quick. Mary's life was, boop, it was like the Instapot, it was done. Transformation was, whoop. Nicodemus, who remained resistant and skeptical and perhaps even unwilling to undergo the, to undergo the changes. Matthew, who was earnest and open, though perhaps a little slower to make the leap, which that I don't understand because Jesus walks by the booth and says, follow me, and he was gone too. Or Simon, who was all in early on but continued to struggle. He would like to volunteer your, your, 
your spirit animal here, <laughs> you know, your, your, your Bible character that you're most closely aligned to here. Nobody wants to share? I'd have to say I'm more like Simon. More like Simon. I, I think if we're all honest, we do. You know, that's, uh, I think it's real easy to talk a good talk to the church folks. You know, like, you never, like you've never struggled with anything, like your faith was always spot on, you, you know, but, and I know I've talked a lot about Peter's denial of Christ. I think any of us, if something big enough happened in their life, we would be like Peter. I've never known anybody who never questioned God or got disillusioned by what was going on around them. The really cool thing about God, though, when we, when we get these doubts, God, are you, are you listening? <laughs> God, do you can you really fix this? God, you, you know, I, I I just don't get it. Often we we become ashamed by what, what we what we perceive as our gigantic lack of faith, to the point where we don't even want to talk to God about it. Well, here's, here's, here's the interesting thing about this, and this is where you have to do what is counterintuitive. I've talked about that before. You, you know, your counterintuitive response. Your, intu- your intuition says, if you have doubts about what God, you have doubts about Jesus, is, is to try to you know, slide a little bit away from him. Or or, dis, or 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 even you know disconnect yourself slightly because because of doubt. The counterintuitive thing, you know, the thing that makes less sense, but what needs to happen, is if you're having trouble with your faith in Christ, is to tell him, "Hey, I'm having a trouble. I'm having trouble with my faith in you right now." You know, why would we do that? Because that's being real. The Holy Spirit wants us to be real. You're not, you're, you're not pulling the wool over on the Father's eyes. If you're having doubts in His Son or what He's done for you, you're not pulling the wool over on the Father by, by you know, just putting a smile on your face. And like, no, everything's good. If you're having issues with your faith, you need to tell Him about it. He already knows it. Why is that important? Why is talking to Jesus about sometimes our lack of in faith in Jesus, why is that important? That's, that's where the intimate relationship comes in. That's where you get close is when you're real hardcore honest. He's been hardcore honest with us from the very beginning. You realize Jesus never sugarcoated anything. And I think he expects that out of us. The people that you are closest with, is this, is this true? The people that you are closest with in this life, people-wise, 
Is it the ones where you put masks on for each other, or is it the ones where you're just gut-wrenching honest? It's those people you're gut-wrenching honest with. Those are the people you're closest with. Those are the people you trust. So if you're having a bad Jesus day, it's not a bad thing to tell Jesus, I'm having a bad Jesus day. Help, help, me, help me get past this. Because the Holy Spirit can help you get past it. The Holy Spirit, when you start saying, you, you know, Jesus, I'm struggling with this thing. I, I'm, I'm really struggling with, you, you know, are you really there for me the way you say you are? How does the Holy Spirit then respond? Hey, do you remember the time? <laughs> or do you remember the time that, that, that you prayed and this, we did this? Or do you remember the time where, do you remember what you were like before you, you asked Jesus into your heart? Do you remember... The Holy Spirit has a way of, of, of reeling us back in and, and showing us that, that, that Jesus has been faithful and Jesus has always come through. He just has. I think sometimes, and here's another struggle, I think this is a struggle if we get honest about it. I think sometimes we have bad Jesus days when we... we we were expecting one answer out of him or one thing out of him and, and he allowed something different to happen. Have you ever, has that ever made you think, you know, God, have you fallen and bumped your head? This is what's best for me. You, you know, the thing I asked for, God, this is what's best for me. Uh, wait, here's, here's the thing about that. That's an easy trap to fall into. Because we all think we know what's best for us. We all think that, that our plan is the plan. We always think that our way is the best way. But we lack something that God doesn't lack. Actually, we, we lack a lot of things God doesn't lack. But when it comes to the big plan, he knows what's coming. You know, so when my, when, when my best plan God doesn't agree with me that it's the best plan. It's because he knows what's coming, and I don't. I, I think that happens a lot, too. I, I, I think these are the kinds of things that, that I think we all have a little bit of Peter in us from time to time. Because if, you, if your faith is as rock solid from the time that you cry out to Christ for the first time 40 years later, and you never wavered, yeah, you're not being honest with yourself. So when you're, having, when you're having the bad Jesus day, that's when you need to tell Jesus, Jesus, help, help, help me get past this. Jim? You know, Greg, sometimes I think we do, like you said, we try to put on a good face around everybody. And we do that with God when we pray. There's just so many things that stress you out, and we try to hide those things. Let him know. He, who am I fooling? He knows. He does. But he just think, wants to hear us verbalize it. 
out of the Bible, buses and bowels and marks and all this. And I'm thinking, I don't talk that way. He doesn't want me to talk to him. He wants me to no. talk to him like we're talking right now. And uh, I, not that I still have got this right, because I, I, I feel like David, and I think David's a good example of that. Even, you know, the things he'd done, mm-hmm. and his sins were ever before him, but he always did come back to God, that Christ was his center point, you know? And uh, you can ask Lynn, she'll tell you I'm not perfect at all. <laughs> but there's always that thing in my heart that says, you need to do this, you need to talk to me, uh, this is what I want you to do. We all do. But uh, the thing I think a lot of us all, all of us Christians, I'm not going to say all, I'm only saying from my part, but try to hide things from God. And who am I fool? Absolutely. Bill. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just did that the other day. God, I just don't know even where to go with this. That is a very honest response that we can learn from. God, I just don't even know what to say to you right now. I don't even know what to ask for. I don't know what to, I, I'm at a loss. There's been many times that I've just been at a loss and just didn't even know. <laughs> you know and that's the, that's, the, that's the cool thing about having the Holy Spirit living in you. The Holy Spirit, he's, he's, not, a, he's not blindsided by any of this, and he knows, he knows the right things to ask for. He, you know, sometimes it's just like, Holy Spirit, just help me. Help me even know what to ask for. And this David thing, I, that's... It's, it's, I think many of us can probably connect with that. So, uh, especially if you've been a believer or, or a follower for an extended period of time, it's easier and easier to relate to David. When I was early in my faith, I would have probably have gone after Goliath myself. I, I mean, it was just, I was there. You, you know, and I, I would have gone after him with a plastic spoon just because I knew, that, you know, my God, my God, I, he ain't going to take me down even if I'm going after him with a plastic spoon. 
few decades later, have I stayed home sometimes when all the other people have gone off to war? You know, have I, have I become okay with things that I was never okay with before? And here's, and then that is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And, and I think this has a lot to do with some of David's mess-ups as he got older in life. When you start being okay with certain things that God's not okay with, you start to accept those things, and then eventually you're open to doing those things. You know, so it's kind of being okay with it and then accepting it opens you up to doing it. And we see that, that that's exactly what happened in David's life. He got lazy. All the other kings went off and were leading their men in the battle. He stayed home. He, you know, he, 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 was his, he, he, he wasn't the guy that was going after Goliath anymore. And once you see Bathsheba, and bloop, the, whole, the whole apple cart went over. But that God, David being a man after God's own heart, I think that is a, that, that, that piece that you brought up. Because I've often, that's something I've often asked God. How is this dude a man after your own heart? I mean, he was, you know, he did some really awesome things, but he did some really things too. <laughs> you know, how, how is this guy a man after your own heart? And I see it. And this is what God really laid on my heart. And I see it in the story with Nathan. Because even after he had really screwed up, now I mean screwed up in a major way, he committed adultery, he tried to, the, the, you know, the, the cover up his sins, and then he ultimately killed, you know, her husband. I mean, he didn't have the sword in his hand, he might as well have. <laughs> I mean, put him up in the front, draw everybody back, you might as well just went ahead and stuck him yourself. But when, when, when Nathan came to him and, and told the story about the, the, the guy with the lamb, the rich man and then the, guy, then the poor guy with the lamb, and then David's, this man deserves tenfold, has to pay back tenfold, you know, all this stuff. Who is this man? And Nathan's like, it's you. What was David's response? And I think this is what made, this is, this is what makes him a man after God's own heart. When he was convicted, he responded, and he, and he came back. So a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart isn't somebody who always does the right thing. It's the person who always returns back to, their, to that center place of, of God being here. I think, I think that's huge. And this mask thing that we were talking about, that is huge. I assure you, we all wear masks with people. I, I mean, nobody, nobody lets everybody else see what they're all about. You just don't. You want to know who else? You, we, we talked about us, the fact that we wear masks with God, and we do. There's, there's, there's high and lofty prayers. Oh, Father, my Father, I come to you with a broken heart. You, you know, that's, that's wearing a mask. You know, you know, that really is. I'm not saying that, that going to him about your broken heart is wearing a mask, but when you're trying to impress God with your words, think about how ridiculous that really is. Trying to impress God with your lofty prayers and your fancy words and, and, and all this, that, that's, that's just silliness. You, you, you know, who else do you think you wear a mask with? <laughs> 
Have you ever wear a mask to yourself? Have you ever have you ever tried to lie to yourself about who you are? You know, I, when I was in recovery ministry, there was a there was a lesson. I can't take credit for it. It was a lesson plan that I, I taught off of. But but Rick Warren was talking about that there are, there are three characters we have, and this is this is part of the spiritual inventory class. You, you know, lesson spiritual inventory is so big it had it had two lessons, but one of them. Rick Warren says there's the character that you want other people to see. You've got the character you've convinced yourself you have. And then you've got your real one. You know, so maybe we need, not, we need to be honest with our, each other, ourselves, and with God. Can you imagine? Could you imagine how different our lives would be if we got honest with others, ourselves, and with God? You know, and that's... And sometimes it takes that, that connection with the Holy Spirit to even be able to unravel that thing or to reveal that thing. I, I know people, I see, I don't know, my, my phone must be over here. Do you, do you see a world of people taking selfies? I, I, I mean, I've taken selfies, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, my Facebook has not as much as most people, but you, you know what... Why do you take so many selfies? I do it because, like, hey, I was at this cool place. But, you know, I've got proof I was at this cool place. A lot of people take selfies as, oh, I'm so beautiful. I'm so wonderful. I want the whole world to see it. Is, is that, do, do, do people not do that? They do do that. I'm not picking on those people. It's human nature. It's human nature. We're all a little bit self-centered. In fact, all of us are probably sometimes a lot self-centered. But when you're doing that, it, it, it's showing, are, are, you, are you convincing yourself? Are you trying to make yourself maybe look a little better even to yourself? You, you know, I, I don't know. That's not, a judgmental, that's not a judgmental thing, me saying that. That's a question. You, you know, and I'm not just talking about kids. You know, kids kids love selfies. You know, that's that's the culture. So don't get me wrong. That is the culture with young folks. But when you see people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 60s taking selfies of themselves everywhere, I mean, anywhere and everywhere, why, why do they do that? You, you know, because that's not part of my culture. I'm in my 50s. You know, my first cell phone was a satchel phone. My second one looked like the brick with the long antenna out of the back. That wasn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't how I was raised. Now, these folks here, I mean, they grew up with the, with the smartphones in the picture. You, you know, but, so I'm not, even, I'm not even steering this in their direction. But, but I see people my age and older. This, you, you know, it's, do we try to even lie to ourselves? I think sometimes we do. So we all have that little bit of Peter in us. How about Mary? Oop, Bill. Speaking of lying to yourself, uh, the Bible says that our hearts okay, are desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, we still sinners our nature. And uh, we deceive ourselves. 
Yes. He is. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Actually, let me take this rabbit trail even a little farther out. You, you know, because don't do much with it anymore, but I, would, I am a board-certified pastoral counselor, so I think so sometimes I look at people's defensive mechanisms. Do you sometimes think that we lie to ourselves to try to protect ourselves? This is this is something that I have historically been very guilty of. My mom used to call me on it all the time. I, I mean, Sue does too. But mom, it's like every time I saw her, she would she would the if you would say to me, "Hey, Greg, how you doing?" I'm telling my stories now. I'm, I'm, tell, I'm ratting myself out. If I say I'm fine, I'm usually not. Okay, or hey, I'm, I'm good. You know, that's, that, that's so, so when, when people would say to me, hey, how you doing? I say I'm fine. I'm, I'm usually trying to convince myself that as much as I am you. Because, in fact, Matthew West has a song. It, it, it's, it, it talks about that, you, you know. And she says, you like that Matthew West song? You lie, lie, lie. And I, I wear, I, I've even bought a T-shirt. I bought it just for her. In fact, I think I wore it last week or the week before. It says, I'm fine. You, you, you know, I, I wear that sometimes just because just, just, just I kind of chuckle to myself. It reminds me of mom because that was, I bought that shirt just because of her because she was always giving me the devil. Don't you lie to me, boy. <laughs> you, know, so that's, you know, so that's sometimes I think, sometimes we, our, our knee-jerk reaction is, I'm fine. You know, even when you're not. Because not only are you trying to convince somebody else or you just don't want to get into it, you don't want to get into why you're not fine. Sometimes I think we're trying to convince ourselves that as, as well. You ever notice how a lot of people try to make like they're so bad? You know, I'm bad, I'm bad. Or they, they got strong crossbones or something, a uh, dog with a chain or a collar that's got spikes oh, yeah. or things like that. I've noticed that a lot of people 
think they are hiding things because I've noticed some people that are all decorated up, so to say, that they're they're hurting. They're they are. They are. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Bill. Makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. That too, when, when when you ask somebody how they're doing, and they start to tell you, and, and you seem like you don't care, or you walk away, you're, you you send that person a message that you don't matter. That that's that's why I I, I very I, I've told people in in the past that this might seem kind of strange to say this, but you'll 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 get it. I've told people, don't ask somebody how they are unless A, you really care, and B, you have the time to listen to the response. Because that is, that has gotten to be the, the, the Western, even more probably specifically the American, it's almost like, hey, how you doing? You, you know, it's, it's like a greeting, it's like a handshake. It, but sometimes, but sometimes people will ask that and they they really don't care, or they don't have the time to listen. And and if you open up to that person and they shut you down, that says, hey, you're not important enough. You, you know, and that's 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 a that's a bad that's a bad bad place. Now this dress thing, my I have a friend I grew up with. She actually got her PhD in in the psychology of fashion. I kind of laughed. I thought she was kidding me when she told me what, what she was getting her PhD in. But then when I listened to it and what her studies were, it made sense. 
how, how differently you dress based on your phase in life and wh what you're going through. I mean, she, she got a PhD in studying this very thing. And, and the, uh, I see two very distinct people groups. The, when you think about the dog collar folks, you, you know, like, like the, the goth folks, um, the, a, there's two things I see going on with golf, golf people, gothic, we just call it golf, gothic people, all black, black nails, you, you know, greasy look. I think there's two things that go on there. And I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody's fashion. <laughs> you know, this, this isn't me criticizing the way they, they, they're dressing. But going back to Holly and her PhD, it usually represents something. If, if, you've ever, if you've ever taken the time to not to be scared by these people and to talk to them, the, the, there's two things. One is the way they're dressing is a, represent, a representation of how they're feeling inside very often. I'm not saying all of them. Some people, they just think it's cool. There, there are no 100% no rules with anybody and anything. But the, the goth kids or folks that I've talked to, and if it's more than that high, you, you know, if you actually engage in the conversation, that darkness is more than just the outside. They're filling it on the inside. But then you get the, the folks that, that where have the you, you know they have the scary tats and, and 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 like the golf look. They're also trying to send a message that is protective. Stay away from me. You, you know they they understand they understand the social dynamic. The people have a tendency of staying away from people that they don't feel comfortable with. So if, 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 you, if, you, if you dress and act in a way outside of the social mores or what people feel comfortable with, it, it's a way of saying stay away. Do you see that happening on the opposite end? How about the people that come to church? That might be hurting or dying on the inside, but by golly, they, they've got the... They've got the, the nice suit or the, all the fancy makeup and all the fancy jewelry because they're, 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 uh, they're trying to send a different image. They're trying to send an image that everything's okay when it's not. You realize that one, the one is just as tragic as the other? You, you know, it really is, Bill. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Bikers, unless you get the ones that are really trying to be the, the, the two percenters, the ones that really want to be bad, they're the one percenters. The, the, um, well, I've seen it all, three percenters, two percenters, they even want to rate themselves, but the one percenters, they're the really bad ones. But for the most part, bikers are usually cool dudes. You, you know, when I had when I had to celebrate recovery at New Life, uh, it was big. I, I mean, within a year, I went from roughly fifteen to twenty people to almost a hundred every Friday night. 
I, I mean, it was exploding. And, and all of these folks were bringing kids, so I had daycare. I had two dudes that were my security. I, I handpicked these guys. They were my bikers. They, I mean, they, 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 looked at, they looked the look, they, they talked the talk, they walked the walk. And one of them was a third-degree black belt. One was a third-degree black belt, and the, the one, the older guy, but he, he had his white beard down here. Let me tell you what, you try to take a kid out of there, he might not be able to beat you down like the other one, but he'd die trying. <laughs> I mean, it's, he, he's a, I mean, so yeah, you, you, can't, you really can't judge a book by its cover. You, you really, really can't. But this thing, like this, this thing with, I just got a couple minutes. Just, just going back to our one question. By the way, I'm the, I'm the one guilty for the rabbit trails. Don't, don't. The so, so often we're like, like, like Peter or Simon, Simon Peter, same dude. You know, sometimes I mean we're quick to jump in, but we we struggle along the ways. There are people I've known who have been very much like Mary, man. They just, they, they do a 180. And that was kind of me, too. I, I, I mean, I was, my freshman year of high school, all through middle school, all through middle school and, and, and uh, elementary school, middle school, we didn't have intermediate school back then, I was bullied because I was the fat kid. So then I started playing high school football, and I, and I went down. I got lean and mean, and, and I did what very what 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 so often happens. I became the very thing I hated. So my freshman year, I I, I became a bully. You, you know, and it, it was one of these things that 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 it, even though I was I I grew up in the church. I was responding, you know, the, the, the very, that became the thing that I hate. In, in fact, <laughs> I know people still talk about some of the terrible things I did when I was a sophomore, I mean, a freshman years ago. I, I mean, I was angry. I had a lot of anger, and, and, and I, I, I went from being the prey to the predator. That happens so often. But when... God got a hold of me that summer between my freshman and sophomore year. There was a, I mean, a drastic 180. My buddy Dan that I talk about sometimes, he's the pastor. He told me my sophomore year of high school, he said, dude, what happened to you? We left out of here, you were a devil, and you came back a saint. I mean, so that, that's, that's how drastic this was. And he's also the one I used to tease him. He used to he used to listen to he used to listen to some wild things and do some wild things. And and I used to pray for that dude so much. Even after he got out of high school, I didn't see him. And years later, years later, he finds me on Facebook. Facebook is good for some things. He finds me on Facebook. Probably talked to him every week for years since. But he called and said, "Greg, guess what? I'm in seminary." I'm like, what are you like painting pentagrams down there? What, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, because and the worst part about it is I was being serious. I thought he was being a smart butt, and, and he was being he was he was big in the Slayer. He had the big you know shirts with the sign of Satan on it. The you know the pentagram the pentagram with the you know with the goat in it. You know he that that was that was my buddy Dan. 
And he said, I'm in seminary. I'm literally thinking, what are you, like vandalizing the place? You, you, you know, what, what are you doing in seminary, dude? He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm a Christian now. He, he, you know, it's like, oh, my Lord, you actually answered my prayer, God. <laughs> I mean, it was, I was like, but some people have those 180 moments, like, 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 like Mary did. Matthew, I'm not really going to address because I don't, I, I don't really agree with the, the, the author's view of, hey, he came along, maybe just not. Jesus walked by the dude's booth and said, follow me, and whoop, he followed him. I, I mean, that's pretty drastic. I, I mean, so Peter's, Peter's story was pretty drastic. The Nicodemus is somebody that I, I was able to relate with as I got farther along in my faith. Not quite on the same level. You know, he was still trying to wrap his head around this being born again thing. He, you know, Jesus, Jesus threw some wild things at him, you know, being born again. He's like, of course, he was talking about being born of the flesh and being born of spirit. But, but Nicodemus was like, well, I can't enter into my mother's womb again. You know what? I just, you know, he was having a hard time wrapping his head around this. And Jesus often, if you look at some of the things that Jesus said, he asked some, he said some pretty wild things that would have been kind of hard to swallow, and particularly in their context, their place and time and where they were. But Nicodemus, I am convinced, I am convinced came and became a follower because, again, he asked, he and Joseph of Arimathea, they asked for the body of Christ. That would have been a career ender for him. So, I mean, that was, that was all in. He, you know, but why do we not see him between the, 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 you know, the nighttime get-together and the death of Christ? Why do we never see this guy again? I imagine he really struggled for a while with a lot of the things he was seeing. He was having a hard time maybe, and this is all theory. The only way you're going to find out for sure is when you get to heaven and say, hey, Nicodemus, you know, what was the deal? You know, where were you those three years? <laughs> you know, it's, but, but the... There have been times that, that I've, I've, I've struggled with the nuts and the bolts of the faith. You, you, you know, Jesus, again, makes it very, very simple. God makes it very simple. Again, he gave, he only, God only gave us ten rules. All the rest of it, that, that was stuff we added. Ten rules. Jesus narrowed it down to two because the ten were contained in the two. So Jesus had a way of making hard things simple. We, we have a way of making simple things hard. So that, that was kind of the thing that, that's, that was kind of me and, and where I kind of connected with Nicodemus over the years is there's been times that I've tried to take simple things and, and to make them into complicated things and, and, and just trying to really understand how this, this, this thing works. And because there's, you, you know, here's the thing about God. God is infinite. He's, he, he's, he, he's, he's, you can't you can't describe something that big. So it's impossible to figure out all of these little nuts and bolts things. So there have been times I've had to teach myself to stop being Nicodemus. It's really bad when you're in seminary because that you're expected to work with the nuts and the bolts. But I some I've had to teach myself times it's it's. Don't make something that's so easy into something hard. Take it at face value. God loves you. 
He wants a relationship with you. He's forgiven you. The Holy Spirit wants to work with you to make you more like Jesus. The Father, the Father laid it all in line for you. Jesus created all this. Do you th- why do you think Jesus created all this? Yeah, for the glory of the Father. You know, why, why so much detail? Why so much of the cool stuff he put in? Do you think that even in creation, he was already, he was already just thinking, man, I bet there will be someday there will be a guy named Greg who loves the beach. I'm going to make, I'm going to carve out the, the the beaches and put the waves to come in. Or there 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 might be there might be. I'm trying to think. I don't know people who like mountains, but somebody who likes mountains. Yeah, I do know people who like mountains. Just not me. But but it, it is that simple. That, that that God loves you so much that He does crazy things to make and make a point. He does crazy things to, 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 just to show you what you mean to him. You know, in Zephaniah, and I'm going to land this plane, because I could talk about this stuff for a long time. I'm going to land this plane. In Zephaniah, God told, told him that I sing over you in the mornings. Here's the thing that, that's, that was very true for Zephaniah. But do you realize that, that, that these same mercies, these same graces, these same acts that he, shed, he, he showered on Zephaniah, he sheds on us. So do you realize that the Father in heaven sings over you in the morning? You don't think he cares? He sings over you. He's got a Jim song. He's got a Bill song. He's got a Richard song. He's got a Peggy song. He just does. So all this wild stuff that the Father has done for us, all this wild stuff that the the, the Son has done for us, all this wild stuff that the Holy Spirit is doing in us to make us more like Christ, all the stuff that we see around us, God is making a point. And, And stop being Nicodemus. It doesn't have to be hard. He just loves you that much. It's that simple. When you say put it in a nutshell, that's what he wants you to get. You know, do I, do I think education and understanding nuts and bolts is important? Yeah. Do I think I should get my head wrapped around? Should I get it wrapped around the axle about it? Absolutely not. Sometimes faith, faith is the only thing that's really important. It's always important, but sometimes that faith is just where it's at. Where it's at. Alrighty. So let's, uh, did, did you have something, Sally? Oh, no. So let's go, let's, uh, let's just come to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get ready, get ready for Sunday morning service. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, I'm sorry if I just completely derailed the message. Or the book, not the message. The message may have been right on the, but God, you know me. I take these little trails. But God, I just ask that you were honored. I just ask that there were discussions about you that maybe that maybe in this, this this conversation between all of us and, and and digging into the way you've responded and looked at at people and the things that you've done, maybe God, I just hope that we just understand just a little bit more about your love and your affection for us. God, we're in a time where we we need 
to feel that love and that affection from you. God, make your presence real in our hearts. Make your presence real in this place. God, if we're having a bad Jesus day, may we be honest and talk to you about it so that you can help us move past that. God, we just ask that you just, just increase this likeness of Christ in this. Shall we forgive when we don't feel like forgiving? Shall we extend grace when we don't feel that we should give grace? Shall we show mercy when we don't feel like we should show mercy? God, make it less about us and more about you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.